0: This is Capitalize Your Finances, the show representing you, a select group of excited, ready, and fired-up listeners seeking to potentially maximize your money moves and get after it. We don't settle for generic advice of always and nevers. Our currency is our intellect, and we constantly seek the logical way of likely creating advantages to potentially maximize wealth for our personal and unique situations. The show brings you this step-by-step framework to capitalize your finances in the aspects of your financials situation, and we strive to explore strategies and ideas to potentially help you capitalize on your financial decisions. We are capitalizers, and
1: this is our show. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Finances. As always, I'm your host, Christopher Aponiotu, the CAP in Capitalize. And today, I am going to be going over something that I've been excited to share with you all for years an investing strategy known as the endowment model. This investment strategy single-handedly changed the game for both me and my clients back when I first discovered it, and I cannot wait to explain it to you all in today's episode. We are going to go over what it is, who created this idea, and why it was so revolutionary, my own personal story when it clicked for me, conceptually how it works. And of course, we've got to go over the risks as any investment strategy is not without them, even the most conservative of strategies. We're going to go over how I have utilized it for my own family's portfolio with basic percentages, why or why not. I would necessarily recommend the same thing for you and where I see myself going for future endowment-like strategies. And then lastly, we are going to go over how you can get started utilizing the endowment model today, assuming you devout listeners have already capitalized today. Those that are longtime fans know what I mean. And I will also talk about where to go, who to speak to, and what to do if you want to practice the endowment model solely on your own. Whew! Alrighty, let's get started. So the endowment model... Is one of the big four investment strategies out there. Now, the other three are rather similar with the fact being that they mainly focus on publicly traded investments. So for today's episode, we're gonna put all of those aside. the The technical definition is uh, and this is regarding what an endowment model is, that the technical definition is a type of investment strategy. That is inspired by university endowment investment styles. Now, unlike the other three we brushed to the side moments ago, this strategy utilizes just about every type of investment out there. Sorry, my voice cracked there. To maximize its return for the benefit of the organization in which the endowment serves. In this case, it's being you. So these strategies use stocks and bonds, but they also utilize real estate, hedge funds, private equity, venture capital, natural resources, and much, much more. Now, I'm not saying all of these should be utilized, but the endowment model opens up one's eyes to all that it is out there at your fingertips. Now, this concept was started by the legendary late chief investment officer of Yale's Endowment, Dr. David Swenson. RIP. To start off with a bang, consider how well this guy did over his 36-year career. Quote, Swenson's investment track record is incomparable over those 36 years. Yale produced an annualized gain of 13.7% per annum, outperforming the average endowment, as measured by Cambridge Associates, by 3.4%. In dollar terms, outperformance during Swenson's tenure represented over $50 billion in value added relative to the average endowment. Without spending, a single dollar invested, so $1, at the start of his tenure would have grown to nearly $103 by the end of 36 years. And by comparison, a dollar invested in the S&P 500 would be worth slightly more than $50. Now that I have your attention, it's worth noting how he actually did this, and and it's pretty impressive considering the guy basically doubled what the S&P 500 did over that period of time. I'm not saying that's a guarantee or any of that, but the the proof is in the pudding with what he did. Um, This man was truly, truly a pioneer in the wealth building department, so take a trip down memory lane for a second. Back in the day, many of these institutions were still stuck in what's known as the 60-40 method, meaning 60% of the portfolio was invested in stocks and 40% of the portfolio was invested in bonds. Occasionally, these institutions would either buy or sell or one of the other uh, types of investments to attempt to maintain that mix. But David saw that both arcane in nature and blind to the infinite opportunity that was right in front of his face. So taking over the endowment as chief investment officer, he immediately scrapped the old ways and went full bore into the market, reportedly having 80% of the endowment's portfolio invested in stocks the remainder was split between 10% in bonds and 10% in real estate, which back then was unheard of. Now, what happened as time went on became even more of a head-scratcher to those within the industry as he started to transition out of the stock market and bond market. Now, the big question was, where did he go? Well, he went into the world of alternative investments. He continued to utilize real estate, Then he introduced private equity investments, so privately owned businesses or funds that owned privately owned businesses, hedge funds of various sorts, and even angel investing, which is super, super risky, as a quick side note. Critics thought this guy was out of his mind crazy until the returns spoke for themselves. Now today, we know these investments to be sort of readily available for all, yet if it wasn't for Dr. Swenson, many of your investment successes wouldn't be remotely imaginable. This was a guy that went from smeared to revered nearly overnight. Uh, to give you an idea, Byron Wien, a legendary, absolutely legendary Wall Street strategist, praised David for being right up there with the legends of investing like Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, Jack Bogle, who created Vanguard, and Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett's uh, first teacher. That is the Mount Rushmore of investors, people. Now that the history lesson is out of the way, I want to switch it up a bit. I want to take you all back to when the endowment model awakened me. Back in 2016, I wanted to learn everything I could about billionaires, specifically how they became, well, billionaires. And to paint the picture on how high on the hog I was at the time, it was the heart of July. And for those of you that were up in Washington during that time, it was a brutal (laughs) heat wave. You're probably thinking that in the dead of summer with 100 plus degree days and low 90 degree nights, there had to be air conditioning of some sort, like like anything. Well, I've got news for you. Not only did I have none of that, the only fan I had in my apartment at the time was completely dead. Costco, Walmart, you name it, had sold out on anything remaining, and on top of all that, my apartment was located on the top floor, which sounds glamorous, Right? In in theory, it sounds great, right? I had a nice little view, looking over the water. But truly, that was not the case because with heat rising, it was the definition of an absolute hellhole. And people of western Washington state aren't exactly well-equipped to handle the Texas-level heat. So what that meant was in July of 2016, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was not getting to sleep anytime soon. So I stayed up all night trying to discover what made these billionaires so financially successful. One of the first things that kept popping up was the fact that roughly 55% of billionaires had made their money off of some form of real estate. But there was a huge problem with that. So you see the reason I wanted to discover the secret of these billionaires was not to become one myself. And in fact, In many regards, I have zero desire of becoming a billionaire. My intention was to be able to learn their techniques and, if possible, utilize these within my own financial journey, my clients' lives, and teach those around me that they can make it happen as well. But back to the issue. I couldn't just tell every person that walked into my door, invest in real estate and call it good. Don't get me wrong, real estate can be a wonderful investment, but to have your entire net worth completely illiquid is both incredibly risky and ill-advised. Not to mention, my clients in my family's portfolio would be royally screwed if we suddenly needed liquidity and or the income spigot suddenly turned off. So, with that in mind, I kept digging. And by digging, I was all the way onto page 10 of google so you know i was fully committed and along the way the the phrase endowment model kept popping up and i thought to myself that i'm never going to i'm never going to be able to manage investments like an endowment so naturally i just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling by until it got to the point where at about 3:15 in the morning i was so frustrated with not finding the answer, that I said, screw it. I clicked on the endowment model link, and just as I mentioned earlier in today's episode, my life changed for the better. Over time, I started to study multiple endowments, nitpick over every little detail they had their eyes on, and learned from the best of the best. And you fast forward to today, I have the honor of providing you all my current endowment model 101. Let's make some assumptions here. Let's assume that you are a younger capitalizer listening in, say under 50, which is a wide net for young. I I get it, but hey, I'm here to please. And because of this fact, we are going to solely focus on growing your net worth, no different than what endowments are trying to do every year. Just like the original endowment model at Yale, let's take 80% of your portfolio and earmark that for stock market investments. Unlike the original endowment model, let's take the remaining 20% and utilize the alternative investment space. And don't worry for now about whether it's real estate, private equity, whatever. Why are we slightly altering This model from Dr. Swenson's original. Now, for starters, he later in his career wished he had this same split that I mentioned. Second, and more profound, let's think about what each type of investment is trying to earn you for the long haul. When I was reading Dr. Swenson's original writings, which I might add were very tough to find... He noted that both the stock market and alternatives are trying to achieve the same return over the long haul at roughly 8%. How that 8% comes to be is where it gets extremely interesting. Swenson knew that endowments are supposed to last, well, forever. And so because of that, he had the majority of the portfolio, about 80% in stocks, invested for that future. And if you break down that 8% return, 6% of it was for future growth in the businesses and the remaining 2% were dividends that were simply reinvested into the portfolio. The remaining 20% in alternatives is where it gets, frankly, mind-blowing. So that 8% return, yeah, the majority of that return is paid today, 6%, and the future growth Swenson assumed that would grow at least towards inflation of 2%, historic inflation of 2%, I might add, not what we're dealing with right now as of recording in the year of our Lord and Savior 2023. Okay, I digress. He would then take that income and reinvest into the endowment stock portfolio systematically. And we call that dollar cost averaging in the world of finance. So now let's see the magic happen. So take 2021 and 2022 as examples, hypothetical examples, past performance does not guarantee future returns for you compliance people out in the bushes lurking at my every word. That 80% we can assume was the S&P 500 and the 20% was a combination of real estate, privately owned investments, hedge funds, business development companies, and several other alternative strategies. So what happened in 2021? The S&P had a rocket and rolling year of 26.21% return. Now that's a lot more than 8%, right? So if Swenson was analyzing this, he could argue that it would make sense to carve off the top of that monstrous year and look to diversify into various other alternatives. Because different alternatives zig and zag, let's assume that alternatives did what they were supposed to do. 8%. Now, what happened to the S&P 500 in 2022? It got absolutely pulverized with a negative 19.44% return, depending on where you read. Now, if you just stuck to the stock market, basically the gains of 2021 would have been near to totally wiped out. However, Thank goodness you listened to the endowment model strategy because now you have a nice portion of your portfolio paying the majority of the market's future returns into the market's portfolio when it is now at a discount, which can result in not only an eventual rebound of a gain, but utilizing the endowment model that much more as a selection of alternatives becomes more appropriate as your net worth balloons. Again... Hypothetically, for the compliance people. Before we continue on the difference between Yale's endowment and you, it's time for a quick break for the sponsor of today's episode. Roll it.
0: Capitalizers, this episode is sponsored by the best selling book, Capitalize Your Finances, the how to framework that takes you from compoundingly clueless to monetarily magnificent. Regardless of where you're at in your financial life, whether you're just beginning to express interest and commitment to your personal finances, at the pinnacle of your career, winding down into retirement, or thinking about your legacy for future generations, this book walks you through every step of the way so you can succeed on your terms and with your own values and passions guiding you. After reading this book, you will officially have Christopher A. Panayotu, The Cap in Capitalize, in your back pocket, guiding you in detail through every step of the way so that you can take charge of your finances, not the other way around. Head on over to Amazon.com today and start capitalizing your finances to the fullest with this incredible book, Capitalize Your Finances, the how-to financial framework that takes you from compoundingly clueless to monetarily magnificent. And now, back to the episode.
1: Now that you're back, here's the major difference between Yale's Endowment and you. Yale's Endowment is trying to live forever. So it has to focus on this aggressive growth strategy. But you? Well, unfortunately, you're not going to last forever, my friend. And the good news with that, as far as alternatives are concerned, is that you can utilize these as a Swiss army knife within your capitalized financial plan. You could continue to use this strategy as if you are your own endowment or let's just say that you're married and you or your spouse want to go part-time or stay at home if you choose to raise a family. Now, those alternatives can begin to replace that missed income. What about... If you work in a highly volatile industry like a mortgage broker or real estate agent, especially these two as of this recording, well, now the pressure is taken off of you a little bit because you may not have to sell as many mortgages or homes because your investments have begun to replace your needed income as the days go on, which I could also argue would add more profit to your year due to genuine selling versus the slick, salesy, desperate types of agents. But I digress. You get my point. Alternatives could be utilized in a multitude of ways, as well as your stock portfolio, I might add. I know for our household, we planned on having Stephanie either work part-time or stay at home altogether when our little bundle of joy, Abigail, arrived. So we were consistently prudent ...on utilizing the endowment model to the fullest. And this brings me to our situation. As I am all about full disclosure in practicing what I preach. I'm not going to give you all dollar amounts. That is a little too full disclosure (laughs) for my taste. But basic percentages gives you a more than clear idea of what the Cap and Capitalize is thinking. So as of this recording... Our family's approximate breakdown looks something like this. 46% is in stocks. 18% is in real estate. 17% is in private equity. About 5% is in business development companies. And then the remaining 14% is in cash. Now, regarding the cash, you have to remember we, we run a business. So that's going to be a major reason why our, our cash is that high. But aside from that, It's all pretty much what we have been talking about this entire episode. Now, the majority of our portfolio is within the market because up until really 2020, when our business really began to grow, frankly, we couldn't afford the illiquidity and we didn't have the means to invest in these alternative investment strategies. But over time, we started to add uh, to first our real estate portfolio, then the business development companies, then private equity. Now, will it look like this forever? Absolutely not. And in fact, I can guarantee, which is kind of a risky word, but hear me out compliance people, I can guarantee that it won't because every type of investment is dynamic as well as being aware of certain economic conditions. So with the endowment model, one must be dynamic at all times. And before we get into the risks associated with utilizing the endowment model as a tool to capitalize your finances, there's one more point worth mentioning. Over the past decade and a half, people have looked at alternatives as the go-to investment strategy, in particular, real estate. I want to caution those of you that are listening that there is such thing as too much of a good thing, in particular to real estate you have to put the returns into context as interest rates have been steadily decreasing for years. So all things being equal, that would have a wonderful effect on the returns in the real estate category. In one of the best books I read in 2022, Where the Money Is by my buddy and past guest, Adam Cecil, he didn't say that real estate was bad by any means. He just stated the facts that, quote, Depending on the index you use in the period you measure, the American stock market has averaged somewhere between 8 and 10% annually. U.S. real estate, another major way to build long-term wealth, has grown at a materially inferior weight only 5% per year. These numbers sound rather abstract until you grasp the power of compounding because 5% annual appreciation is decent, putting 10 grand to work in the American real estate market over 50 years would net you slightly more than $100,000. But investing that same amount as the average stock market return will generate more than $700,000, end quote. Now again, I'm not shying away from real estate. All I'm saying is that you have to, always have an open mind and at the end of the day businesses are going to build wealth now back to the billionaires earlier the 55 percent that made their money off of real estate let me finish the sentence it was off of their real estate businesses that's critical there's a huge difference there now i want to say the endowment model may not be for everyone and that is perfectly fine so for example in in my practice i have many clients that get too overwhelmed by the complexity so we keep it really simple uh we have clients that have a for example a bad taste in their mouth from a real estate investment that went bad so we leave the real estate opportunities out of the conversation entirely due to their previous circumstances and biases now make no mistake about it there are investment risks that come along with utilizing alternatives within the endowment model such as business risk if you're uh So, for example, if the private equity business or businesses goes, they go under, there's default risk. So, if a business development company's loans can't be paid in full, there's interest rate risk and location risk, which both go go towards real estate, and I could argue other alternatives as well, and actually even market risk with certain hedge fund strategies. So, on top of the stock market risk, the endowment model does not come without its own set of serious considerations and consequences being both good and bad i might add if i were you i would make sure to find some quality businesses to have at the forefront and core of your portfolio and over time sprinkle in some different strategies around that core focus so in the financial world we call these satellite strategies now the big question is How can you get started utilizing your own endowment model today? A couple questions you need answered to answer the granddaddy of getting started. Number one, where do you go? Number two, who do you need to speak to? And number three, what if you want to do this all on your own? So if you want to have your own endowment model strategy, you are going to want to make sure you speak with a quality certified financial planner that knows what he or she is talking about. I wouldn't necessarily look towards just a financial advisor as they will most likely give you generic advice. And this strategy is going to need someone with some serious meat on their brain to capitalize you to the fullest. Take your time with whoever it is you decide to work with as the endowment model is a serious hands-on approach. And for a number of reasons, the certified financial planner you choose to work with is going to be the go-to person for many many years to come. As far as who do you need to speak to, we already kind of covered that, but another person to make sure you loop into the crew is a CPA or an enrolled agent. But more likely than not, a CPA is going to be your ticket. And lastly, if you choose to venture out and create your own endowment model, make sure that you pick a proper investment custodian as not every custodian can hold every investment out there. So purely for simplicity's sake, make sure you heavily vet uh, what you can or, or cannot hold at the place you choose to hold your investments. Now, the exception to that would be if you, gosh, well, there's actually a number, but the one that comes to mind is if you owned your own rentals if you were in a partnership for a duplex or an apartment complex, um, if you are a partner in a private business or a local angel investor. But the moral of the story, stick to what you know. Invest only in what you can understand. Keep it as simple as possible. And if you can make your life easier by having all your investments in one place versus all over the place, more power to you. Alrighty, now, that sums up another wonderfully educational episode, Capitalize Your Finances with the Endowment Model. The committed capitalizers know the drill by now, but for you newbies listening in, if you have any questions about today's episode, feel free to either shoot me an email, Chris at CapitalizeYourFinances.com, or... Give me a call at 253-214-3050. That's 253-214-3050. And I would be more than happy to see what I can do to be of help in your own endowment model. If you are wanting to hop on the pod as a guest or are thinking of anyone that would be a great guest to have on our show... Head on over to our podcast page, capitalizedpodcast.com, where we are checking daily to answer fans' questions, comments, concerns they want the Cap and Capitalize to answer, or special guests they'd like to have hop on the pod. As always, I'm your host, Chris Ray to the Cap and Capitalize, and until next time, keep capitalizing.
2: The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice, and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. Different types of investments and or investment strategies involve varying levels of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment or investment strategy will be profitable for a client's or a prospective client's portfolio. Thus, investments may result in a loss of principle. Accordingly, no client or prospective client should assume that the information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized advice from capitalizer finances or from any other investment professional. It is important to keep in mind that investments in fixed income products are subject to liquidity risk, interest risk. Interest rate risk, financial risk, inflation risk, and special tax liabilities. Interest may be subject to the alternative minimum tax. Treasury securities are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government but are subject to inflation risk. and SP 500 index is an unmanaged index and includes a representative sample of large cap U.S. companies in leading industries. An investment may not be made directly in an index. Examples cited are hypothetical, are for illustrative purposes only, are not guaranteed, and subject to potential federal and state law amendments. There is no guarantee that you will achieve the results discussed or illustrated. A dollar cost averaging strategy does not guarantee a profit or protection from loss, since such an investment plan is. Involves continual investment in securities regardless of fluctuating price levels, you must consider your willingness to continue purchasing during periods of high or low price levels. Diversification strategies do not ensure a profit and cannot protect against losses in a declining market. Christopher Pontiotu is a registered representative with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. The investment professionals are affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Capitalize Your Finances, a separate entity from LPL Financial. Any other individual or company mentioned in this podcast are not affiliated with Capitalize Your Finances or LPL Financial we